It's the Last Stand Podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right. This is the Last Stand Podcast. I am Brian Custer. We bring you the biggest names in sports and entertainment. And I got to tell you, I'm really excited about this episode because we have two guests who fit both of those categories. Two of the biggest names when it comes to sports and entertainment, especially in the boxing media and social media. We've got Fred Hawthorne, of course, the owner of those Barbershop Conversations, (laughs) nearly 50,000 subscribers on YouTube. He's got nearly that many people listening to him every night during his live uh, late night conversations on social media. And then you have Ellie Setback, E! News, hundreds of millions of views, well over a half a million subscribers uh, on YouTube as well. These guys are certainly innovators when it comes to covering the sport of boxing. Ellie Setback, Fred Hawthorne, welcome to the Last Stand Podcast. I appreciate you, you, Brian. Absolutely. Great to have you both on here. You guys, and I I said I'm I'm really excited about this episode because you guys have been innovators when it comes to uh, covering the sport of boxing and journalists who do that. And now that the sport is back, uh, we've seen the new normal for boxing. Uh, No fans, just the referees, uh, the commission, maybe key arena personnel, even journalists are watching the boxings virtually or at home. Uh, Fred, I'll start with you. What do you think about this new normal for boxing? It looks like that we're going to have going forward. I, uh, it's interesting. You know, Brian, I, I, I'm so used to the, uh, to 42 years of watching fights, watching people cheer, watching people boo, going to fights, watching people fight, watching people dro- throw beers, watching people fight, you know what I mean? All that good stuff, man. And, and it's definitely a new normal. And, uh, I have my reservations about it, but I'm a man of adaptation, you know what I mean? And uh, we got to make it happen. And, 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 and just as, as that's adapting, so are you. You know, you, you're on the podcast now, and uh, uh, that shows the level of uh, our, our intellect and our ability to say, you know what, we got to make it do what it do, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm trying to do. You're yeah. right about that, Fred. Uh, Ellie, let, let me get your thoughts on the new normal for boxing because you're one who goes to fight after fight after fight. Uh, what do you think of what you saw thus far? Well, we, we don't know what will last and how long it will last. It may go away in a month. There may be a second wave, and this will be the norm. For the short term, Fighters need to fight. So if you have a date and you're fighting, you're happy. Media, the way I cover the sport, it's daily. So I don't necessarily need to be at every fight. I like going to fights. It's great. But if I can cover the fighters lead in and after, they'll still get the coverage. And plus, today with social media, every fighter has a Twitter and Instagram. We can still cover them without being near them. Facts. And that, that's interesting, Ellie, because I think what is unique about you is that fighters will give you guys uh, access to their fight camps. Different from networks like me at Showtime, a lot of times they give you guys access. So you're with them uh, during their pre-fight, after the fight. And Ellie, when you've been around these guys, have they been fearful of COVID-19 or what? Fighters are not not afraid of anything. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think they're fearful. I think people are more responsible. I think people are wearing masks. But 
I talk to a lot of fighters and they tell me we're normally segregated when we're in camp. So this is nothing new for us. We're cut off from our family. We're cut off from our friends, from our kids. Um, maybe taking the COVID test is new, but everything else for them is business as usual. Uh, Fred, you know, I had the, the opportunity to talk with Bud Crawford and he started the interview by saying, listen, I'm a risk taker by nature. Mm -hmm. uh, I just don't, I don't feel any fear of COVID-19. I feel as if you're a healthy person. It's not that bad. What have you, what, from the a number of fighters you've spoken with, are they fearful of COVID-19 at all? Nah, they itching to get that check, man. <laughs> These fighters are going broke, man. <laughs> Especially with a new normal is two fights a year, man. These fighters are like, God, they, I need that 100000 I need that 50000 So I think they'll fight on Mars if they had to, man. They'll fight in a swamp with three alligators as fans. You know what I mean? They just want that check, dog. And uh, 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 more power to them. Uh, everyone's itching to get back. You know, I, I talk to fighters on a daily basis trying to schedule them for my show as well. and. Uh, itching burning even the managers burning i mean everyone is contingent we all got to have a livelihood you know at the end of the day we we can be as as empathetic as we want but uh jp morgan and chase and wells fargo still need that mortgage payment you know so and that's the reality of it um speaking with fighters uh i not only uh talked with bud crawford but spoke with errol spence and it was really interesting the different point of view that they came with. You know, Errol seemed to be motivated about, hey, look, I know there's a lot of questions about me. I'm itching, as you pointed out, Fred, to get back and show people that I'm still the same guy and even fight this year. And he said, absolutely, uh, you will see me fight this year. Sure. Blood was a little bit different. He was more like, hey, look, uh, yes, I want to fight, but when I come back, I'm not taking a COVID cut. I'm, I know there's not going to be, you won't be fans. I've done that before in my career where I fought in front of no people. Yeah. But if I come back and there's no fans and that means less money, I'll wait out until next year and fight. I'm curious, Fred, I'll start with you. What were your thoughts when you watched the Errol Spence and then when you watched the Bud Crawford interview? Uh, we'll start with Earl. I think Earl is like a man's man at, at the end of the day. Uh, great character, great intellect, and, and one has a great pulse. Of, of, of what the community is feeling. And, and I think on the, on the flip side of Terrence Crawford, you can't talk about money at all in this climate. We got over 40 million people unemployed. Uh, you, you have to say, I'm ready to fight. Even if you don't believe it, I'm ready to fight, man. The fans just need a break. The fans just need a level of entertainment just to escape for an hour, maybe two hours. I think, I think Terrence Crawford kind of lost the ball on that. And, you know, I, I, you, you know personally, I, I, I think this is just like a cover-up for, like, Terrence Crawford as a whole. If it's not his contract, it's COVID. You know what I mean? It's like I'm signed with ESPN. They don't want to come across the street. Timothy Bradley talking. You know, at the end of the day, man, you, you got to stand up and be a man, you know? And, and, and I think since we pay your salaries, and, and, and that's why he's unwilling to take a pay cut because he needs fans there, you have, to be, you, have to, you have to meet them middle ground, you know? And, and I thought that Earl hit a home run, and I thought that Terrence Crawford struck out with that comment. Hmm. Uh, Ellie, what were your thoughts when you saw the Errol Spence and when you, you saw the Bud Crawford interview? A fighter should never get in the ring if they're not 100%. It's a very dangerous sport. So for Crawford, he's a great fighter. He's a great champion. And financially, if he waits a few months and he can make much more, why not? It's his family. It's his safety. It's his livelihood. Um, 
Earl wants to go in there. He wants to fight. He has big fights. We're talking about Danny Garcia, talking about Pacquiao, uh, talking about Keith Thurman. So they're all big fights. And uh, I actually saw today that PBC is coming back July 5th from the Fox studio. So if he has a date, they're both training. They're both in great shape. My thing is, I hope we get to see them fight each other, whether there's fans or no fans. Um, Crawford says he won't fight with no fans. Well, it's his choice. He's the star and he could call the shots. He's one of the best pound for pound fighters. You know, I thought, I thought it was also interesting that uh, Errol in the interview guys, and obviously you can, you can go to the last damn podcast and check them out. Uh, Errol said, Hey, look, this is, these are the guys I want to fight and it's going to be lined up. Danny Garcia. Then I'll, I'll want Manny Pacquiao. And then definitely uh, I want uh, Terrence Bud Crawford in 2021. Uh, Bud was like, hey, look, right now I'm trying to get Manny Pacquiao. Uh, after that, you know, hey, look, there's Ugas, there's Keith Thurman. I thought he said Thurman would probably be a bigger fight. Uh, but obviously he wants uh, Errol Spence. Do you think we will see this big matchup? Or is it one of those things, Ellie, where they're going to try to let this thing uh, sell the fight, let it germinate a little bit? Will we see big-time matchups here? Or do we, are we going to have to wait a while? What do you think, Ellie? I'm thinking it's made with a Pacquiao. We're going to have to wait five years because hmm. the fight could have happened. And my thing is, if we wait too long, Earl's going to move up to 54. He's not going to stay at 47. Uh, and then I don't think we'll ever see the fight. The fight should happen. Hopefully it happens sooner than later. But my gut is we won't going to see it. We're not going to see it. Hmm. Fred, what do you think? Will we see these big-time matchups soon? Or is it those kind of type of fights are going to be way down the line? They better. They better because uh, there's only five full-size fish in the ocean. You understand what I'm saying? And if you don't grab it now, basketball is coming back. NFL is coming back. Baseball is coming back. You know, so at the end of the day, I, I think once fans are hit, I think we better see Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury 3. Two months later, Earl Spence versus uh, uh, Terrence Crawford. And, and, and two, if you got the chance to get legacy wealth, generational wealth in one shot, $10 million, $15 million, you know, you better, you better go get it. You know what I mean? We squandered so many fights, man. We squandered so many fights with athletes in their prime, man. And uh, it, it'll be sad that we may not get this fight at 47. One, because, you know, Earl Spence probably has maybe a year left at 147, just genuinely just being realistic, just based off, he said, in your interview, he went up to 190 and had to lose three pounds a day of the weight, you know? So uh, uh, they better go get that money. And, yeah. and uh, if they don't, it's their fault, yeah. you know, because they can step in front of Bob Arum. Earl Spence can step in front of Al Heyman and be public about it. I want this fight. We're not moving forward until we get this fight. And the networks will have no choice. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, the one thing I took away from when Errol said, I, I may have three fights left in me at 147. And, and that's just for Danny Garcia, Manny Pacquiao, and Terrence Crawford. After that, as he pointed out, uh, I got to move up to 154. But he didn't want to leave 147 without fighting uh, Terrence Crawford. Let me ask you guys the same question I get asked all the time. And I think it's an imperative question because really before the sport of boxing, you can capitalize on the other sports that have gone away and seem to be fighting within themselves on how they're going to come back, whether it's the football, whether it's the NBA, in, in light of all the social unrest that our country is going through. Is boxing dead 
or is this an opportunity for boxing to come back and capture the nation's attention? What do you think, Fred? Everything's an opportunity, man. It's a mindset. And uh, I think boxing better get their ass back. Can I curse? I don't know if I can. Absolutely. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's a podcast. (laughs) I think uh, boxing better. Al Heyman, Bob Arum, Steven Espinoza, they better get their ass. And I mean, they better jump into the deep water. You know what I mean? Invest now, invest early. You understand because you're investing, because you, you, you invest now, uh, you're talking to that 17-year-old kid that's going to college that's not going to be a professional NFL player, that's not going to be a professional basketball player that still wants to compete like a Deontay Wilder, like a Kendall Gill. You know, he ended up making the NBA, but you're, 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 you're dropping le- legacy pennies into the uh, well. Like maybe, maybe we can expand with, with the ideology that boxing is a brand now boxing is a real sport and we and quite possibly can jump into the top four you know and especially if if the boxers and 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 here's my problem with this kind of double-edged sword if all the boxers spoke out about what's going on in america right now you know what i mean if they said you know what i'm a i'm a great boxer i'm a boxer but equality or i don't believe in equality but i i believe that Black lives matter. All these black fighters matter. Um, it would be it would propel boxing, similar to if if uh, Kyrie Irving is the big story of this week, right? Mm-hmm. Let's join our own league. We got we got both people on both sides of the fence, but it's dominating the conversation, you know. So if if boxers used a platform and, and spoke out for or against, it propels the sport of boxing, you know. So on 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 that end, I think along with financing, they need to use their voices as well. Good point. Uh, Ellie, you, you come, come with this from a, uh, a really unique perspective because you, you, hey, look, you used to cover the NBA. You used to cover a, a number of sports there, Ellie. So what do you think? If people ask me that question all the time. Is boxing dead or is this an opportunity for boxing to thrive if they come back and they deliver good matches and good matchups uh, to the boxing public? Uh, I was thinking about this thing the other day and I was thinking of Mike Tyson. When he first threw that combo, the seventh, the whole world went crazy. If he would have put up a fight a week later, I'm saying he would have made 50 million. The whole world would have bought the pay-per-view. Let's watch Muhammad Ali one more time. He missed the window. Now it's kind of, mm. you know, it's, it's fading out slowly, slowly. Not to say that he won't get the same, but it's not going to have the same magic, the same um, attraction. If boxers come back now and they're in great shape and they put on great performances and sensational knockouts, they're going to look. Steal people's imagination. Look at the UFC. They have fights. They're putting on their big names, and they're getting nice knockouts. Cody Gobrant, who's a big uh, boxing fan, he actually called out uh, Adrian Broner. He had a big knockout, and everybody talked about it. Instead, we're, we're not seeing the big fights yet. So if we don't jump in as boxing onto it, we're going to miss the window mm-hmm. because life will go on. Nothing lasts forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. NBA and boxing, two different worlds. NBA, when, when the league starts in, in October, you know, and you covered NBA too, you cover basketball, mm-hmm. you know every hotel you're going to stay until June, you know every arena you'll be, everything's structured. In boxing, normally, not COVID era, we don't know what's going to be two weeks. The weekend of a fight, we don't know what the fight hotel is. Everything's last second, you know, puzzled together rapidly. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Ellie, let me start with you, because as you just pointed, pointed, up, uh, pointed out, you were covering the NBA as late as uh, the, the late 90s. And then all of a sudden, obviously, there was a point 
where you said to yourself, there's an untapped market from in the boxing, uh, the coverage of the sport of boxing, and I'm going to do this 24-7. I'm going to cover combat sports and go from camp to camp to camp. What, what did you see? Why did you make the change? And tell the people why. Why did you make that change to just boxing and going around from camp to camp to camp? Okay, I'll go back. I covered the NBA for 10 years. My friends tried out in the summer league in Long Beach. I went with them to the tryouts. I was talking smack from the bench. The NBA stars were asking, who's that dumbass on the sideline talking <laughs> smack? And I wrote an article, and I sent it out to a bunch of newspapers. I got rejection letters that say, don't ever send us a mock-up article. You're that bad. One little newspaper said, we'll give you a shot, and that's how it started. And um, I covered the NBA in a way where I didn't want it to be boring. A lot of times, mainstream covers sports like his nuclear science, and you lose the audience because it's so technical and boring. So it was a lot of fun. It's fun covering the Lakers when they win championships. It's not fun covering an NBA team when they don't win. There's a lot of pressure on these guys. Yeah, when the camera's off, they still go to the club. They still have a great time. But it, it's, it's a lot of pressure. You can't have a fun interview if you lose, lose, lose. At the time, I'm covering the NBA. Everything's going great. I met Manny Pacquiao. I wasn't familiar with him. A friend of mine told me, you have to interview Pacquiao. He's the biggest thing in the world. So I interviewed him. And then I came back the next day and the next day, and I didn't leave for six months. And that's how I fell into boxing. Wow. And then I saw that at the time, YouTube was just coming up. At the t when I started on YouTube, YouTube only had like 40 videos up, very, very, just in the beginning, er early stages. So I was putting up videos and deleting them because I didn't think they were good enough. I, I should have left everything up. But... And, and I saw there was no boxing coverage. Was, boxing was only in the newspaper once every three months on TV once every three months, but there was no daily coverage. So I applied the same principles of covering the Lakers. If Kobe scores 40, it's a story. If he scores eight, it's a story. If he plays, it's a story. To boxing. And we all want to interview Mayweather. We all want to interview Pacquiao. We all want to interview Canelo. But when I covered the NBA, I interviewed DJ Benga, the number 12 guy on the Lakers roster, and he gave me the best interviews. Then the stars would, you know, come into the interview because they want to see what we're talking about. So you walk in a boxing gym, I'll interview the kid that's not pro yet. I'll interview the one and know. Eventually, he'll be the next Mayweather. So it just worked, and it became an assembly line of content. Wow. Okay, Fred, uh, because your story, to me, is just as inspiring, just as innovating, because you're a guy who had your degree up. I mean, you get not only when it comes to journalism, but when it comes to stocks, when it comes to real estate, when it comes to investing, you got all of this wealth. And yet you said at one point, I love boxing. I'm going to cover this sport yeah. and I'm going to be going out to different fights. I'm going to be going out to different fighters camps. When did that happen? And why did that happen for you? What, what, what was the trigger? I, like similar to Ellie, I just wasn't as popular as Ellie. I, I worked, I worked for the LA Watch Times, and I covered the Clippers, you know. And uh, uh, I saw the um, the uh, subscriber base dropping, and I says, "Oh shit, newspapers about to go under." Right. You know, it was just so obvious. And, and I said, and, and I saw Dante's Boxing Nation, and I saw Ellie, and I'm like, "Oh shit, I need to pick up a camera," you know, <laughs> like for real, for real. And uh, so those were the two guys that I met, and I said, "I'm gonna just start doing some." some visual content, visual content. And, and I knew I wanted my platform to be bigger than boxing. You know, I knew I wanted my platform and, and I'm from the Pernell Whitaker era. And I knew what boxing did to Pernell Whitaker against Chavez in Texas against De La Hoya 
you know, and, and I said, I wanted to give, whether you was an amateur black manager, promoter, athlete, I wanted you to give the voice where you just felt comfortable talking to black athletes because I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if Ellie gets these comments, but man, that the derogatory comments that, that I, I, I used to see when, remember in the early 2000s when, when, when they were meeting Pacquiao and Mayweather, Floyd runner, gay runner, you know, all that. And I said, you know what? I just want to have a safe haven for athletes. And, and I, I just became as honest as I can. You know, I'm very vulnerable, very honest, you know what I mean? And sometimes it doesn't get me in trouble, but some people just vehemently greatly disagree with me. But I just think that I, I wanted to build a platform to keep people safe, you know, and, and yeah. speak in an authentic voice, you know, that was important for me. Absolutely. And, you know, listen, and it, it happens for fighters because no matter what that athlete is, he, a lot of times they feel comfortable with sure. someone that either looks like them Absolutely. or, or that someone that has been with them from day one, yeah. uh, you got to build that trust. Well, you got uh, so, the longest interview in the history of Terrence Crawford. <laughs> really? That's hilarious. Hell yeah. <laughs> the longest interview in the history of Terrence Crawford's championship career. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I didn't even realize that until after we were done, where uh -huh. he said, I enjoyed this. Yeah. I don't think I've, spo I've spoken this much in my life. And I didn't, you know, because that was my first time speaking with him. Oh, so. Really? Great it job. really was. It really was. It was my first time. And I told him, even on the podcast, I said, listen, I've been a fan of yours. I respect your talent. And I was surprised that he, he reciprocated and said, listen, I've been a fan of yours too. That's why yeah. I wanted to do this, to yeah. talk to you, because I had never talked to you before. So it just worked out. Mm -hmm. um, at what point, guys, did you realize, okay, not only am I going to cover the sport of boxing, and I'm going to do this on social media, and I can get paid for it that I can make money and monetize this. Uh, Fred, let's start with you. When did you what? realize, wow, I can make money off of being on social media and talking boxing? I ain't gonna lie, man. I was standing next, I'm not gonna say his name, but I was standing next to a championship fighter at Barclay. I was at a Barclay fight in Brooklyn at the Marriott on Adams. And uh, five to 10 people came and wanted to take pictures with me. And I says, holy shit, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> He's the world champion. I ain't lying. I, I kid you not. And I'm like, oh, shit. YouTube really works. You know, it's like two years. Honestly, about two years ago, not long ago, you know. And I'm like, this shit really works, man. And, and, and then I started doing uh, events and stuff. And first event, 100 people show up for the Earl Spence, uh, Sean Porter fight. I had over 300 uh, predominantly black people show up and support wow. the event, man. It, and, and that's where I want to be. You know, what I mean, like like a bridge to brotherhood. You know, I, I know I'm speaking to nine, nine out of ten, ninety percent of my audience is is males, and 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 much of them are black males. So I I, I just want to be a bridge, you know. Yeah. And um, but that was the moment. I ain't gonna lie. And and Adams Hotel was like a Saturday or a Friday before the weigh-in or the fight, and I just couldn't believe like motherfuckers wanted to take pictures with me. <laughs> I ain't lying, dog. I swear before Jesus, you know. And uh, it, 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 it it was that moment. It, it was that moment for me. Well, listen, you know a brother's telling the truth when, A, he says, put that on my mama, my kids <laughs> and them, or Jesus. They, they name one of those three, yeah. they're telling the truth. Yeah. Uh, Ellie, so let's come to you then. At what point did you realize, holy cow, I can make money off of this and doing it through social media? Because if you're looking, I mean, well over a half million subscribers, at what point did you realize going from camp to camp to camp that you can make money off, and this this could be my day job, so to speak. Well, 
at the beginning, like I said, when I started YouTube, there was no YouTube, there was no monetization. So it wasn't about the money. So it wasn't even an option. It was just, a, I was trying to get a job to be a TV sports reporter and I kept getting rejected. So I just did it on my own. I, 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 over the years, I ended up getting a job with NBC TV covering the Lakers for them or CBS or Fox. And these gigs don't last long. You come in and out. There's a lot of advantages and disadvantages of working with the system. But YouTube has always been there. Um, it just happened organically because I was there as YouTube grew. And there's no easy money in life. It doesn't matter what you do. Nothing's easy. You, you watch Kobe Bryant when he would play and you'd say, wow, that's amazing. That's easy. It's not. It took him years to develop it. So it, it just happened one day where the check started coming, but it's not anything that I planned or thought that that would be an option. Yes. So let's go with this then, guys, for a number of people who will be watching this and they say, well, how can I make it then? Uh, you guys have made it. What's the best piece of advice would you give them, Ellie, if they said, hey, look, I love social media. I love whatever sport it is. What, what's the best piece of advice would you give them? Uh, there's an old Chinese saying, never argue with someone who has more time than you. Don't get into arguments with people. Believe in yourself. Don't take no for an answer and work hard. And, and also, there's another quote I like. Mark Twain says, never argue with a fool. Someone walking by won't know who's who. Because we get sucked into sometimes the social media where people leave comments. And we, no, be fair. Be honest. Don't, don't be fast. Be right. Do it right. Don't do it fast. Mm -hmm. We see a headline and we publicize it. There was a fighter who got in a scuffle in the street. And everybody ran with that video of the guy hitting someone. I called the fighter. What really happened? He goes, that's the second half of the video. You don't see the first half where the guy hits me. So be careful what you post on there. Anything could go viral. A broken clock is right twice a day. Anything you post can have a life of its own. So be responsible. Wow. Uh, work great. hard. Nothing's easy. And be fair. Don't trash someone because everybody's piling up on it. I see a lot of that, too. That's great advice. At, 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 at what point did you gain the respect of the fighters? Because you know, whether it's Mikey Garcia, whether it's whoever, David Benavidez, it could be Adrian Broner. They're letting you come to the training camp. They're letting you come up in their room after the fight. At what point, from no matter what the nationality of the fighter is, did you gain that kind of trust where they said, hey, Ellie, come on in? Every fighter is a different case. I'm not going to say names. I'm going to put it this way. The best videos I have are the ones I've never posted. You develop <laughs> a level of trust where so you're going to see something you're not supposed to see. So true. And they're going to look at you. Are you going to post it or not? No one's going to tell you don't post it or delete it. They're going to wait and see how you react. And then when they watch the video and the video looks smooth and that part that wasn't supposed to be in there, because I'm in camp, what if someone twists an ankle in the ring? He has a major fight. That's an example. That's happened. Stuff like that. So different relationship with different people. Sometimes it's the coverage. Sometimes it's defending them on camera where somebody attacks them. Everybody's different. Everybody's a human being. But um, Broner is one of my favorite people on the planet. I've been with him where he gives money to the homeless. Not for the cameras. He just does it from the goodness of his heart. And people misunderstand the persona, the WWE personality to the real Adrian Broner. Yeah, that's, that's a You know, th that's funny you say that because, again, I go back to the Errol Spence interview and, and I asked him about hanging out with, with uh, Adrian, uh, with, Hank, with Tank. And one of the things he said was, hey, some of the best pieces of advice I've gotten is from Adrian Broner. And he says, uh, you know, I think he's misunderstood. And a lot of us are misunderstood because a lot of our families depend on us. And they're always begging and asking for things. And you got to be the breadwinner for everybody. And sometimes that just wears on you. So it was really interesting 
to hear that perspective. I'm going to tell you one thing, Brian. One of the reasons I had a great rapport with Colby, just observing. If you don't ask for a pencil, you don't ask for a picture, you don't ask for an autograph, you're going to go a very long way. The yep. second you ask for the smallest thing, go join the sheep on the other side of the road because the family looks at a lot of the athletes like an ATM and they're always in demand of something. So let them be themselves. Mm. Justin Bieber was training out at Goose and Gym. No security, no bodyguards, doors open. He just wanted to feel normal. So although they're superstars, they may just want to feel like regular people sometimes. Mm. Uh, Fred, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up with you. Same thing. Uh, somebody's going to be watching this and they're going to say, look, I, 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 wanna, I, I love social media. I want to be like Fred. Well, what's the best piece of advice you're giving them? Uh, well, you can't be like Fred, but I will say integrity. <laughs> like integrity. Like I, I honestly believe my integrity because I'm five seven, dark skin. I can't beat up nobody. You know, what I mean, I, I ain't the richest man, the strongest man in the world. Integrity. It's, it's, it's just, I can't even begin to tell you how far integrity goes. You know, that may be quite the reason why I'm, I'm on your, I'm on your show. It's not because I paid you. Your platform is far bigger than mine. You are, more, you're definitely more popular than me in the sport, and so is Ellie. You know, just integrity, man. And I think that's carried over to now and and just to cap off what what ellie says never ask a millionaire for a five dollar favor mm. you, you know what i mean like i uh i've never asked anybody for anything when they say fred when uh kelly swanson aka cameron swanson wanted to take my credentials i say take it it's cool i'll just pay my extra five hundred dollars pay my extra six hundred dollars and guess what when when the fighters knew that that she took my credentials fred come cover my camp Fred, whatever you need, I got you. And, and, and you know, I've never really asked people for anything. Never, ever. And, and they just want to be an asset. You know what I mean? They know that, that you, getting back to integrity, they know that I wanted to uh, make them or give them a platform where the totality of the sport could be better. And that's the, that, 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 that's the key, man. Integrity, man. Stay the course. It's going to be tough some days. You know what I mean? Like doing doing like um interviews and you're number eight in the line and you know that motherfucker's hungry you know right. he just left the way you know he only got six minutes and you're number eight in the line and you know you're not gonna get the interview you know what i mean and you don't get mad you say you know what he needed to go eat you know so, so you go you go interview the manager you go interview the the promoter and then, then the next fight guess what you in the hotel room and then the next fight, you covering the camp. And then the next fight, y'all talking on person-person basis. So integrity goes a long way, uh, Brian, definitely. Well, let me just say this. Uh, I, I want to thank both of you guys because I respect your talents immensely uh, for what you guys have done, not only for the sport, but just as people. Because I see you you guys at every fight. And I, I respect the way you guys cover the sport. But more importantly, especially during these times with a, a number of people uh, experiencing this pandemic, so many people out of work. Absolutely. I think it's important that people listen to a podcast like this and listen and learn something and get some gems. And they certainly can get some gems on what you guys have done in your life to be successful yeah. as you are. And now hopefully that we've helped somebody. And you know what? We entertained some people yeah, and sure. they learned a lot about boxing today. So I just say thank you. Can for I, being on the show. Can I say something before? First, I yeah. want to thank both of y'all because I follow y'all intently. I, I go to y'all Instagram pages every day. I want to thank you, Brian, for going out and supporting the people. Ellie, by accident, I saw Ellie at a march. I just want to say thank y'all publicly, man, because, 
you know, like uh, what you do in silence, it, 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 it speaks volumes about you and other people can recognize it. So thank you, Brian. Thank you, Ellie. And uh, we're going to win this battle. But I, I, but I just want to take the time to give you your cyber flowers now and just say I thank appreciate you for uh, getting out there with the people. All right. Thanks for having us, Brian. I appreciate it. Thanks, hey, hey the listen, I, I don't say this, use this term loosely, but you guys have been innovators, man. And uh, I think this is, this is great to have you guys on. Folks, that's what we do here on The Last Stand Podcast. We bring you some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Hey, Ellie Setback, Fred Hawthorne, two of the best. Thanks for listening and watching The Last Stand Podcast. We'll see you next week.